Well, it's uh, good to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, excited to be here. I must warn you now, I'm already emotional. Uh, so you know when you get emotional in the worship, that, and you're the speaker for the main service, that it's, it's going to be, I don't know if I can get through it or not, is the thing. So uh, there might be lots of crying, lots of tears, lots of weeping and wailing. Hopefully we won't get to any kind of gnashing of teeth or anything. But <clears throat> No, it's, uh, and I, I know I, I say this probably every time I preach, uh, that I speak from a place of conviction, not condemnation, uh, but definitely more so today, uh, speaking from a very personal place of uh, conviction just in my own life and just this week, uh, what God's been doing in my heart. Uh, so very raw, very fresh uh, message, <clears throat> and it's not completely scripted. I don't really know how I even want it to end, so very... I don't know what you want to say. Hopefully, Holy Spirit-led, and not me just just crying the whole time. Uh, but I can't I can't help it I, for whatever reason. I mean, I could watch a, a herd of puppies get ran over out here in the highway, and I wouldn't I wouldn't think too much about it. But but I get up here in front of you, and I just turn into an, an emotional wreck. So it's just what it is. What it is. Yeah, y'all pray for me. I need some. I need to have more sympathy. I'm not very sympathetic. If you if you went and asked the people I work with how my sympathy was, they'd say he is the least sympathetic person in this school. Uh, so, a lot of times, somebody will come up to me and they'll be telling me a problem, and I say sounds like an excuse. Uh, so typically, I'm not super sympathetic. Uh, but when I get up here, I'm super emotional, and God's really been dealing with my heart this week. And yesterday, I thought I, I had a really good day yesterday. We had church clean up here. Uh, most of y'all were here for that. That was that was really good. And uh, I always enjoy that, just getting together with church family and working and getting stuff done around the church, and it looks a lot better. I uh, just always enjoyed that. Uh, so we were able to come do that yesterday, and that was good. And me and Luke got to go fishing, and that was great. He caught several fish. I caught one, and uh, so that was good for him. And no, it was it was good. And <clears throat> got to hang out at uh, family's house last night and see Brooke, and and that was really good. But that was about well, that was one of the Saturday was about the only day last week that I really didn't have something just pressing on my mind uh, really hard. Uh, there's several things. Seemed like it was a crazy week uh, with weather uh, and Brooke being sick. It was just a it was a crazy week. Uh, but I want to start off today is Palm Sunday, and so Palm Sunday uh, marks the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem. And I wanted to start there in Matthew chapter 21, uh, verse six. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse six, the Bible says the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought their donkey and the colt, and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. 
So I wanted to make a point that here you see the Bible says very large crowds uh, going and that they're taking their cloaks and they're throwing them in front of Jesus as he rides into Jerusalem on these donkeys. And the Bible says that they went and they cut these branches, we assume palm branches, and they go and they, they throw them down in, in front of him on the road. And <clears throat> they, they're screaming praises. Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. They're, they're worshiping Jesus, they're praising God as Jesus enters Jerusalem. Uh, but we know the story that in just a few days, everything completely changes. The circumstances surrounding Jesus completely change. And then later we find in Matthew chapter 27, as Jesus has been beaten and he's been stripped and now he stands before Pilate and he stands before a crowd of people and Pilate asks, what should we do with the one who is called the Messiah? And the people would answer and they would say, crucify him. This is just a couple days after a large crowd of people were praising him. As Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, they, they were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were worshiping God. They were cutting down tree branches and they were throwing it in front of Him. And they were taking their cloaks and they were throwing them on the ground as Jesus would go over the top of them. And just a couple days later, everything has completely changed. And there's a crowd of people saying, crucify Him. Crucify Him. And, and the Bible even says that the Jews had this tradition of, of letting a prisoner go and they took a guy named Barabbas. And Barabbas, have you learned from the Bible, was not a very good guy. He was a murderer. Uh, he was kind of a rebel. Uh, he started rebellions. He was not, not a good guy. And he would stand up there with Jesus. And the crowd said, give us Barabbas. Let Barabbas go. Even Pilate would say, what has this man done? What has Jesus done? But the crowd said, crucify him. Pilate asked, what do we do with the Messiah? And the crowd would say, crucify him. And I just wanted to make a point that look at what changed in just a couple days. And I want, I want to talk about change for a minute. Look what has changed in just a couple days here. You look at, you look at the recent events with our, the weather. Uh, man, there's some people whose lives are changed right now. That people, they've lost houses. They don't have nowhere to go right now. Their life in an instant is completely changed. <clears throat> and going along with talking about change, look at what's changed in our country in the past 10 years. Amen. I mean, just, and not, not for the good. Amen. Just change, period. Change can be a really good thing. Change can also be a bad thing. And, it, and when I look at where maybe our church was 10 years ago, or I look at where our country was 10 years ago, I want you to think about where were you 10 years ago, spiritually? Where were you with your relationship with God 10 years ago? And I think if, if we look at that and, and we ask ourselves, what's changed in us? What's changed in our life? Circumstances change. People change. We're, we're all changing. We're constantly changing uh, but is it for the better or is it for the worse? Are we spiritually growing or are we spiritually shrinking? Amen. I've said this before, but one thing Coach Cornett told us in high school was, as an athlete, you never stay the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse, but you don't ever just stay where you're at. Uh, same way for us spiritually. 
is as Christians, we are never staying the same. That we're either growing uh, in our relationship with God, we're going closer to Him, or we are getting further away. But you're never just staying right where you left off. You don't just get saved and know God and then uh, everything is happy and perfect from there on out. No, you have the security. You have this, you have this promise of heaven by accepting Christ. But what do you do with that? See, to, to know anyone, you have to spend time with them. Amen. You have to pursue them. You have to do things with them. And to know God, we have to pray, we have to seek, we have to continue to search for Him, even if we have found Him. That is how we would grow in our relationship with God. We have to study His Word, we have to know what it says, we have to, to grow in Him. And when I think about change, I wonder how much I've changed in the past 10 years. And I wonder how much of it is good and how much of it is bad. And it seems like a lot of times it's easy to look back at our life spiritually. And I can look back to a time when I was younger, uh, 16 years old, whatever, and look at there's times where I was spiritually very hungry. And maybe I wasn't pursuing God in the right ways, or maybe I wasn't doing everything right, or maybe I didn't know nothing about the Bible. I didn't know nothing about some of the stuff I was reading, but man, I was reading. I was seeking. I was searching for God. I was hungry. I was thirsty. <clears throat> and it's, it's easy for us to look back at a past time and go, yeah, but, well, I didn't have six kids then. I didn't have this going on. I didn't have this job where I worked these hours. I didn't... And we begin to make these excuses. You know, and I, I think God's sometimes a little bit like me. We're giving God a problem, and God says, you know, that might be an excuse rather than a problem. We define it as a problem. God might define it as an excuse. <clears throat> so I think it's easy to justify our behaviors. It's easy. And you, and you know, this is the crazy thing is, your fellow brother, your fellow man, the person that sits beside you, for the most part, will never call you out on anything as far as they'll never challenge you. They'll never press you. If I, if I confronted AJ and I asked him, this is all hypothetical, this hasn't happened. AJ might be the best guy in here. Yeah. Say I confronted AJ. <laughs> and I said, AJ, how much time have you been spending in the Word? And he said... Ah, not very much. I just, you know, I drive this bread route. I wake up at 3 in the morning. He don't do that anymore, but it's still a hypothetical. <laughs> I wake up at 3 in the morning. I don't usually go to bed till 11. You know what I would say? Nothing. I wouldn't press him on it. I get it, dude. You're not sleeping very much. So whatever you're doing is probably better than what I'm doing, so you just, you just keep on. But I think sometimes the Holy Spirit will come in and it will convict us and it, it will say, hey, you need to straighten this up. You need to clean this up. And a lot of times, we give the Holy Spirit this excuse. Ah, man, I would, I would pray more if I, had, if I didn't have to get my kids to bed. I've got six kids. I would do this if I wasn't so tired, but man, I'm just so wore out from going and, and taking care of all these priorities. We take care of the priorities so much that we forget the most important one. Amen. We get so busy with all the priorities and all the stuff and all the all the blessings that God has gave us. We get so busy caught up making sure we maintain the blessings, making sure we maintain the nice yard, the nice house, uh, 
making sure we maintain the kids, making sure that we take care of all this stuff, that we forget the most important priority, which is our relationship with God. Amen. And we put that on the back burner. <clears throat> and so things changed. Palm Sunday, Jesus comes into Jerusalem and the crowd, a large crowd follows him and they cut off branches and they, they throw their cloaks in front of him and they say, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They're worshiping God. And just a few days later, everything has changed and they're asking, what should we do with the Messiah? And the crowd would say, crucify him. A lot had changed. And a lot's, a lot's changed in our lives. A lot's changed in my life. Life is change. That is what life is. We go through seasons of change. <clears throat> and, and our country, man, has changed. And some of the things that was... I talked about my week earlier and, and how it had went. Some of the things that didn't go good is... My week started off with... I t worried about one of my friends and I'd text him to see how he was doing. And he responded, not good. What do you mean, not good? And he went on this... Not a very long, but he just said, I'm, I'm dealing with depression, I'm dealing with anxiety, I'm dealing with this, and oh man, I hate to hear that. And I asked him some questions, and he said, man, I just don't see a lot of good. I just don't focus on the good. And that just weighed, that weighed on my heart. <clears throat> and it was just a couple days later, there's a transgender woman shooting up a school, and it just, it weighed on my heart. Amen. And this is a problem in society where for school shootings didn't happen 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That did not happen. And now, for some reason, it's popular. People want to do that. People that are far from God, they think this is the best thing I can do to rebel against God is kill people that can't defend themselves. And that just weighs on my heart. I work in a school, so I thought about that. As the week went on, <coughs> Brooke was becoming sick. And being close to Beth and Darren, I, I could see the toll it was taking on them and the, to the toll it was taking on Brooke. And now they were down in the hospital. And we get to the end of the school week <coughs> on Thursday. And... We'd found a note from a girl at our school, and she was just saying basically that at the end of the week she was planning on killing herself, and it, she was giving up on life and blah blah. And it was it was very sad, it was very emotional, and it just it just seemed like a, a lot. And it, as the week went on, it just continued to weigh on my heart, the weight of some of these things and. Week goes on, and then we're in a tornado shelter on Friday, and tornadoes rip through Little Rock and rip through wind and even Timbo, and there's houses downed and damaged everywhere. And I'm just thinking, man, where is God at? Where is God at? But more than that, where is the church at? Amen. Where is God's people at? Where is the prayer warriors? Where is the men and women of God? that are acting as if, that are, that are hungry and thirsty for God. Amen. Where's the people at that going, guys, it's okay because we still serve a mighty God. Come 
And I just feel like there should be more of a rally of God's people in our country. It seems like the loudest voices, the things we hear about are negative. I don't hear about the the all-night revivals. I don't hear about the all-night worship services. I don't hear about the prayer meetings where people get healed and people get changed. And I I don't hear about too many people that that are repenting from sin and changing their lives and dedicating their life to God. And I just wonder, where is the church at? Look at how much we have changed as a country, as, as a community, as people. Look at how our priorities have changed over time. That we've got so busy in our comfort, so busy in our blessing that we have got away from everything that got us there. And and I'm not talking to this church. I'm talking to myself more than I'm talking to anyone else. That I'm speaking from a place of of conviction. Wednesday at our school, a a girl gave a a devotion at my school and she asked me, she she told me I should give this devotion. She said, you should give a devotion on, on lukewarm and I'd learned this pastor's trick that a pastor had showed me one time. She said, I said, well, you know, God put it on your heart, so you should do it. And the pastor told me that one time, so that's how, that's how I got into preaching. So, <clears throat> true story. So she gave this devotion, and she gave this devotion on being lukewarm, and in the mix of this weight that I felt like I had on my heart and knew I was preaching this Sunday, God started to deal with my heart. In the middle of all these circumstances and problems going on, God started to really deal with my heart on this thought of being lukewarm, this thought of not being hot for God or cold, but just being somewhere in the middle. And we talked about this word complacency, which means not, not, not just being satisfied with where we're at. We're complacent. Just satisfied on this plateau. You know, I found God somewhere at the top of the mountain and now I'm just on this plateau. Here's God and I'm just stay here. We talked about complacency is the killer of growth. And I thought about that. Complacency is the killer of growth. When we're complacent and we're satisfied with where we're at, we stop growing. And, and that night we would come to Kids Club and AJ would give a devotion and he talked about stepping out on faith. He talked about the call that God's put on every Christian's life. That we should be active. That we should be hearing God's Spirit and, and, and being led to do things. And if we're not, then maybe we're not listening. And I started to be more convicted. And that night, Bridget would come up to me and she'd say, have you, have you heard this, this latest sermon? And she told me to go listen to it. And so Friday morning, I'm in my car going to school and I, I put the sermon on and It was about being lukewarm. So at this point, I'm completely convinced that God's trying to tell me something. And I listened to the sermon and it impacted me and I liked it so much that later on that night, I would listen to it again. And God just started to deal with my heart. And it reminded me of what the Bible says in Revelation. So if, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Revelations, and I want to go to chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 2. The Bible says in Revelations chapter 2, starting in verse 2, it says, I know your deeds, your hard work, 
your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and you have found them false. You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. And, I, and as, I, as I was convicted and as the Holy Spirit was dealing with me about this thought of lukewarm, I, I began to read in Revelation. and I, I, I read that and, man, I thought, God's really just speaking to me. He said, I, I know your deeds. I know that you're hard work. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You know, this is wrote to the church of, of Ephesus. And, dude, these weren't bad people. These are good people. And, and Jesus says, you know, you, you can't tolerate. I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know that you've persevered hardships. I know that you've, you've, you've persevered and you've endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. That you're, you're not running out of the ring. That you're not leaving. That, no, you're standing there and you're enduring hardships for my name. And you haven't grown weary. You're still there. You're still fighting. He said, but yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen and repent and do the things that you did at first. I thought about that, man, and it started to take me back. And as I was listening to these devotions this Wednesday, and as I listened to that sermon on Friday, God started to take me back to past times of when I was a young man. And, and, some, and I remember things from when I was 14 and, and 15 and 16 years old. AJ, if you'll come. I can remember, I can remember being on a, one of the first mission trips I was ever on, and we were in Jacksonville, Florida, and we uh, had this night of like worship. And they brought these musicians and they weren't very good. And the music was really, really loud. And we were, I mean, there was 10 people and we were all standing, there was 20 people probably. We were all standing about right there. And they're putting on this rock concert right here. And it was really loud and it was really bad. But man, I could remember God's spirit falling on that place. The music wasn't good. None of them's going to get a microphone in heaven. But man, I could remember feeling God's presence. And I could remember that altar getting flooded. Every single person there was on their knees at that altar. And it wasn't for just a minute or two. It wasn't like we just got down there and said a quick prayer and said amen and got up. But no, we, we sat there in the presence of the Lord seeking God with all of our heart. Amen. And it left an impact on me. It changed me. It did something for me right there. I can remember a few years later, we were at God's Mountain, another mission trip in Tennessee. AJ was actually helping us worship there, so the worship quality got better. But there was another girl there, and we just had two acoustic guitars, and I think there was a drum box or something, and we sung this song called Rescue, the whole worship song, probably written in 2006. But I remember God just dealing with my spirit. And it changed me. 
I remember being close to God. I remember being in my room, the best worship concerts I've ever been to. I was the only one there, just me and the Holy Spirit, just me and Jesus being in my room, listening to three minutes worship songs off of an Xbox. I remember raising my hands. I remember God coming in that room and, and speaking things into my heart. Man, I remember being hungry and thirsty for God, wanting to know Him more, wanting to seek Him more, leaving that room changed because I'd had a touch from the Most High. That was changed. I remember being 18 years old, sick, with a cancer diagnosis. And I'd come in from chemotherapy and I'd go to the bathroom and I'd always just want to shower right when I got done and I'd put on some worship music on a CD player and I would fall on my knees and I would lay there 30 minutes with the shower on. I'm sure my parents didn't appreciate the water bill, but they were kind of at a point where they didn't care. But I would just lay there And I remember being, you know, no hair. I didn't have a hair on my body. And I remember sitting there on my knees thanking God for what He had done for me. Looking, Looking at death, not too far from it, skin and bones weighing 125 pounds. And I remember laying there thanking God because He had changed my life. And I knew that if I didn't make it through, that I was headed somewhere better because the Holy Spirit had done changed me. I'd done tasted. I'd done seen. I'd done knew that God was good. It says, Revelation chapter... Two and verse four it says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. It says, Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent means 180. I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle. I want to make an advance in the kingdom of God. I want the people that are going through storms, that have had their houses blown away, I want to be able to look at them and say, it's okay that there's still hope. And it's not going to be found in the insurance agency, but it's found in Jesus Christ. I want to tell those who are dealing with depression and anxiety that it's going to be okay. Because we serve a mighty God. We serve somebody that sticks closer than a brother. So it's okay if you feel lonely. Because the greatest relationship you can have is not found with another person. It's found with Jesus Christ. We serve a mighty God today. A God that's wanting to see Oak Grove fall back in love with Him. To come back to their first love. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. For blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. James 4 and 8 says this. It says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. I want to draw near to Him today. If y'all stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I feel God's presence real strong in the room today. And there's no doubt that God's dealing with our hearts. We don't want to leave without giving anybody an opportunity to pray. So at this time, we're just going to open the altars. And if anybody wants to pray for any reason, just come on.